welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. That's it. We're live. I feel weird. I have a different cushion under my tushy tonight, so it's like, I feel, I don't know. Unbalanced. I just feel not the same. Um, and I'm, look how, I'm so pale this time of year. I'm just going to call out all my faults right, real quick. Um, and I think this is cloudy. All right. So um, while I'm waiting for people to jump in here, there she is. Tracy Pinter should win an award for uh, being first every week. That's what I think. Um, let's come up with that. Make a note. We're going to come up with an award for her. Uh, so what am I thinking of? What's up, everybody? What's up, Turtle? Leah Pratt? Mr. Harrison, Mr. Voiced. I had something to tell Mr. Voicer too. And I forget what it was. Harrison Family Vlogs, um, Kimberly Wallback, Hales Teach, Jesse Prescott. Man, look at everybody on there. Um, it has been the such a long week. I'm all ears. I'll think I'll think of it, Richard, and I'll let you know um what I was mulling over or something. Um, I think I'm coming to Kentucky to speak also. So that could be awesome. We can go out for bourbon or something like that. Um, I saw your Santa video. It was so cute. Indie Kitty, thank you very much. Uh, this week has been so long. So first of all, for some reason, I start this challenge where I'm now going to run uh, every day for a year. Right, This is my plan. I only have to run a mile, um, which if I'm hustling, I can do in 10 minutes. I'm not a fast runner. But like the dog wants to go with me all the time and he stops the poop like six times. So then that takes longer. Then the boy started running with me the last couple of nights and Brody has severe ADHD to say the least. And he runs about 50 miles an hour. But then he the other night he said he couldn't run anymore because he's like, no, dad, I can hear my heart beating. And so we had to stop because he was doing because his heart was beating too hard. Um, and then there was like a. Teachers Connect video due this week. There was the Secret Santa video that was due this week. And um, my poor grandmother's still in the hospital. So like trying to like juggle all that stuff. And it's like right before break. So like this week, if this is your first year, hold on tight. Um, what do you got? Someone asked, ready? Um, no, someone asked, who did we gift to? So you could talk about what happened. Oh. Like so, and then my gift thing, what, what happened with that? What, we were why, just so behind. We yeah, we were just behind and we couldn't everything. get it done. Um, it so I e I mailed it overnight and it cost me like a fortune there on time. And then um, she still got it late and I, it's not blame. I, I did, we had genuine teaching. Um, so her video, she said might be up tonight. Uh, and that's fine. That was cool. And then I had like, the the best like it was the best secret santa for us so if you haven't seen it yet like it was it was ridiculous it was like a load of ridiculous crap that i got that was awesome um and it, i don't know why i say crap because it's all like i can't even wait to take it to school with me tomorrow um and then it's a full week this week i have like i think i'm making pancakes one day this week for students i have to help kids make christmas presents for their moms this week after school um so all kinds of stuff so look um i don't even know my head i'm a thousand different places i'm gonna hone it in 
kick this for an hour, help as many people as I can. And then I think unless there's an overwhelming sort of like push to go the other way, um, what we're thinking is that next week, since it's right before Christmas Eve, so uh, it'll be the 23rd of December and the following week, because it's the night before New Year's Eve, I don't know that a lot of people want help with teaching. So I was thinking about not doing the broadcast for the next two weeks and then picking it up after the new year. But if there's like an overwhelming surge to do it, someone needs it for some reason, you still have school and we're not really sure why, like then, yeah, I'm down to do it. Uh, so let's do this. Um, so Rachel was asking on Teachers Connect. So um, every week, I, my first question is from Teachers Connect because I partner with them and um, I always pull from their their resources first. And so Teachers Connect, if you don't know, uh, is the same, like I talk about all the time. They're an online platform that's for teachers and it's social media platform that is aimed at creating a safe space for, for teachers to be able to like talk about th stuff that's going on. And so this woman asked a question that said um, that she, what do you do when kids are just bad? And, you know, I know that's not a word that like, look, caring teachers don't like to use that word, maybe public teacher, like people that are putting stuff out in public, like online on Instagram and stuff like that. You don't like to use words like that, but you know, sometimes kids do act like they're just bad. Now, look, I don't think anyone, I, I have never taught a kid that I thought was just like bad to the core. I think they are always like the, the summation of like all the things that have happened to them in their life. But you do get kids that are just a problem. And then what do you do with them? Because what it does is it really ends up bringing the rest of the class down. And I, you know, my answer to her to this is this woman, Rachel, that was on there saying that was, uh, I would just remember that you're not going through this alone, right? Too often, teachers try and do everything by themselves. They like, whether it's out of embarrassment, or um, I, I don't know, like a a sense of like that you should be able to do all this stuff on your own. You just dropped a French fry there, wife. Yeah. A mid live stream, and you're just dropping French fries. So they, uh, should I turn the camera? No. no. Okay. You and your French fries. Uh, so <laughs> I just think that we, we don't have to do this alone. So I know in my school, if I'm having a particular issue, I would go to first, I go to uh, my friend Cho. She's the ninth grade dean, and we talk about who the kid is and what's going on. Then I look for teachers that that kid gets down with, and then I go to them and, and say, like, look, what are we going to do for this kid? Like, they're failing really bad, or they're misbehaving in class, or they miss school all the time, or they I heard they've been bullying someone, or they've been getting bullied. Like, let's formulate a plan. And that builds this community, right? That's what we're all doing on here is to back one another up. Like, I, I know that I'm the only one kind of speaking out loud. Uh, but that's because we don't have another alternative as of yet on YouTube. But all of you are like sharing stuff on the side too. That, that you know, so it's it's really really important to be able to find those people in your school. And I think that takes a level of confidence to know that like it doesn't look bad on you. It doesn't mean you're not that good of a teacher. It means that we're always learning. And if you go from that mindset, I think you just win in that situation. So let's see. The wife went upstairs for a second, so I'm lost. Uh, first question I see is Beth Glassing. How long do you guys go on break? Well, Beth, we have, if you're talking to me, um, we have 16 days off this year. We have off from, we have half day this coming Friday, and then we don't go back to like the 7th of January. 
We're really running, running wild back there tonight. I know. Sorry. Um, and I don't, I don't have a question. I don't know what's going on. Uh, I on the idea of being second. Sunday Let's night see. Dinner, chicken Sarah Tracy Pinter said that she thought about being second tonight to just throw off our games. <laughs> um, can you help me find a question? Yeah. There's people from all over the place on here. Argentina, Miriam, Beth Glass from Australia. Turtle said my Santa video was cheesy but funny. That was the whole idea, Turtle. Um, Tiffany said I laughed so hard at the Santa video. But who did you get? I think I missed it. Oh, that's because I just explained that. Um, Isaiah C said finally made it to the live. Hold on. The wife for life is looking for a question now. Um, Indicate. Uh, I don't know what that means. I think that's pertaining to something else. I don't know. I can't. Uh, I just jumped in. Hold on. We're, we're, we're on our way, everybody. Just struggling tonight. It's been a long week. Um, Richard Royster said, we are working on developing a program for our bottom 1%. It's a category our quote-unquote bad students would fall into. It's a struggle. I'm wondering what you do for that, uh, Richard. Like, have you found any success in that? I know we have, like, something called summer school prevention at our school where the students are mandated to stay two or three days a week after school and like get tutoring in the areas that they need it. We all use WhatsApp to say what the homework is for the week so that the students are doing the homework in those classes, but it's still hard because you have 30 kids in the class and you, you know, you have English teachers that are covering math classes. And I know if a kid asked me like something about scope and sequence, I would be able to help them spell that, but I wouldn't be able to tell them what it is. Um, Tracy Pinter is asking, What's the best activity that may not be educational to do with students before break? Trying to do something fresh and different than movies and popcorn, uh, looking for fresh ideas. I'm going to say Tracy Pinter, cereal day. Um, and I say that because it's super quiet and chill. Like the kids really did it. I think if you have a couple of minutes left in class, um, my buddy, I made a video about this, but my friend, the hipster teacher on Instagram started this thing where they stand in the back of the room and they hold expo markers and they toss them and try and land them on the marker ledge in front of your whiteboard. And that is, that is endlessly amusing and hilarious. Um, Can you do something wintry like hot cocoa? You could probably do hot cocoa or something like that. And hot just something nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we're going to just watch. Um, I don't know what on Friday, but I think for two of my classes, we're going to make pancakes for them just like quick, like Aunt Jemima pancakes and syrup from the regular. Yeah. Like not fancy stuff, but like, uh, just making pancakes. That's what I'm looking forward to. Kimberly Wallback is saying, do you, what do you do is, uh, what do you do as a teaching assistant when the sub humiliates a student? Oh, gosh, that's a good question. Um, I'd say, you know what, they're a sub, like I would just, I would go to admin and tell them what's going on. Like someone like, look, I make fun of kids all day long. It's my, it's part of my job. It's the, it is how I get the most difficult students to get in line is by just like, like going back and forth with them. Right. Cause I feel like most times 
that's what kids have, right? They like say like some joke to a teacher and then the teacher gets bent out of shape and I'm just way better at it than they are. So I come back at them with stuff and then they, I kind of win that weird contest and then I don't have an issue anymore. Um, that's in my initial way through the door anyway. And then it's relationships follow that up. But uh, I, I, I can't stand when people like, just yell at kids to yell at them or they're just nasty to them or they say something nasty to them. Like, I just think I don't have any patience for that. So I would just go to administration and say, Hey, look, just so you know, this is what was going down. Um, what would you do if you were in my position? If this happened, like, like I'm not, I'm not really sure how I should have handled that because look, sometimes stuff happens. There's, there are things that happen in school that I, I will occasionally look at a coworker and think, there's no way they could have taught us this in college. So that's what I would do. I would just go to admin and ask them what what they think you should do. Um, and that's like kind of, you know, or, or you could just flat out tell. But like, that's fine too because it's for the kids. I'm not sure if Julian is the actual question. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure do? if this is an actual question my wife is saying, but. What would you do? Uh, that's what that means. Mm-hmm. We learned that before, I think. Smart people, you know, it's not. Oh, it's, you're just smart. That's how you know it. All right. Um, Joanne Markov is saying, what would you do? I just discovered that a student self pla- self-plagiarized a persuasive essay. She submitted the same essay to her fifth grade teacher eighth last year. Eighth grade teacher last year. He teaches at the high school now. Her 85 for team is 67. I think that that's, I mean, look, I don't know that that's, I think she just thought she could get away with something and then she learned that she couldn't. That, of course, eighth grade work isn't going to pass for work in the higher grades. Like maybe that was a great job in, in eighth grade, but um, maybe next time try and get 100 on your eighth grade essay before handing that in to be to happen like for later grades. Um, I would just sit her down and talk to her. I, you know, here's the thing. I think that there's a level of like us just kind of being aggravated with kids but I have a class right now that I teach that has very low, um, the reading levels are very low. And so I can see the kids have a very low attention span. I think it's just because they don't like reading because they've like been, they've just sucked at it their whole lives. And they've figured out ways to get to ninth grade, right? Even though they're on a very low reading level. But I stopped class last week because like very few people were paying attention. The kids that were being quiet we're just kind of like looking all over the room or into something else or drawing on their desk or something. And I just, it aggravated me. But instead of just yelling, I said, look, I let's, let's be a hundred percent like real right now. You're in this class. If you're in this class, there's no illusion that you're a particularly good student or a strong reader. And to the contrary, you're really struggling with reading. That's why you're in here. And I don't fault you for that. I'm not making fun of you for that. I'm not like, trying to down you or, or put you on blast, as my guys would say, what I'm trying to do instead is to just put you on notice that I know and you know. So let's work with that. Like, let's figure that out. Because right now what's happening is we're not following along. And when we have the test this week or next week, I said last week, um, there's zero chance that you're going to pass on this right now. But what you need to know is I'm trying to help you right now. What you need to know is that to get better at reading, you need to read more and read with like a coach so we can help you through this stuff. And I had, I, I'm pretty sure I had a hundred percent compliance for the rest of the period after that, because sometimes you just need to sit kids down and say, 
look, it's not just that you did something wrong, but like, this is why that plan doesn't even work. This is why that is like a bad idea. And and so I think that's the conversation that I would have with that student. So two part starts there and then comes down. Oh, oh, look at you. Buy phone. Um, <laughs> Ingrid <coughs> Rudd. I think it's just that simple. Rudd. Ingrid is asking, I teach third grade and I have a student that seems to have some developmental problems socially and otherwise. And more often than not, I have to remove him from class. And although I hate it, he disrupts the class and I don't have any time to argue with him. He doesn't have boundaries. Um, how do you handle a kid that's totally out of control? I think the same way that you are at first initially, right? Um, there's not always time to have a, like what, what my friend Sarah calls a heavy, deep and real. Sometimes you just need to do like, like move a kid out of the class so you can handle it later. Um, but I think it, the, the important part there is the handling it later. So removing them from class is okay if you need to, right? Because what that's going to allow you to do is teach the rest of the class. Like the other 29 kids shouldn't be held hostage to one student acting out. But once that child is removed and there needs to be some kind of communication at the end of the day, that can just be with you. It could be with a larger group of teachers or administrators or, or something. I wouldn't make it official. Like I, I don't go for those meetings right away. Um, I usually pull in, like I said, other teachers or my friend Cho, who isn't technically administrator, but she's my very good friend also. So we talk about whether or not we need to make this like official, like it has to be written up, notes have to be taken, parents have to be contacted, or it's just something we think we can just talk to that student about and come up with a plan with them for and let them know that they're like not kidding anyone. So that's just what I would do. I would just like... Um, do what you did, but then a hundred percent make sure that you follow up. And then if I call home, I wouldn't call home and say like, Hey, your kid is getting in trouble. I'd say, these are some of the things we're noticing this week. Um, what can we do? Like, can we formulate a plan together to help them find success in class? And I think parents are far better allies when you are on offense with them, um, instead of them being on the defensive. Uh, did you stop on that one? That one. That one. Uh, Tabitha Harris is saying, "Hi, I'm a first year homeschool mom, or yeah, I'm a first year homeschool mom. Do you have any advice? My oldest is in eighth grade, and we are in the 18th week. I love your videos. Um, so thank. First of all, thank you very much for for loving my videos. Second, good job being a homeschool mom. I mean that that's." Like, I, I, so look, let, I, let me just talk about homeschooling for a moment then. Um, I think growing up, there was a real stigma about kids that were homeschooled. Like, like all the homeschool kids I knew were just kind of like of a different breed. Um, and like they, they just did stuff different and they didn't get into regular social circles. From that experience, I would say just making sure that you're in social circles. Right. And I know like our, my friend Kim, um, homeschools her, her oldest and, uh, she's part of like a cohort or, or co-op or whatever they, I'm not sure what they call it, where they're hanging out all the time. Um, but I just think if I could homeschool my kids, I would totally homeschool my kids. And you, what you can't yes. see is my wife was going like this next to me. Um, I just think that the opportunities to go at your own pace, to go as fast or as slow as you need to, to experience the world, to have like really like interesting um, 
experiences. And who was that guy we listened to? There was a guy, if you go on Impact Theory's uh, YouTube channel, there's a guy that homeschooled his kids. And what they did was they just sailed around the world. I'm not saying everybody could do this, but he talked about how he decided to teach his children when he was on this ship. And it was really, really interesting. It just, it didn't necessarily teach me anything new. What it did was it allowed me to know that what I was doing was right. So um, it's the show is called Impact Theory. And I'm certain if you type in something about sailing around the world, because at the top of everyone's YouTube channel, a lot of people don't know this, there's a little magnifying glass, not the main search bar. But once you go and it says like videos, channels, about all that stuff, there's a little magnifying glass and just type in homeschooling and or um, sailing around the world or something like that. And that will pop up. And it was just really fascinating on a thousand different levels. And, and I think that you would glean a lot from that. You got there, buddy. Oh, shucks. Sorry. Man, we talk about homeschooling a lot. Yeah. I would love to homeschool. Public schools can be the worst. Um, Jules G is saying my student teaching starts January 3rd. Uh, Jules, did you just, did that, did we get an email from them? Maybe. Maybe. We have a lot. We're back um, again on emails. So. Any any suggestions or tips on with block scheduling? I never experienced this. I would say, look, block scheduling is far different. I've never taught block scheduling, but I do know this because I've I've had everything from a twenty minute class to a fifty five minute class. I think it all comes down to like chunking out your day, right? So how what what do I need to get through? What kind of stuff do I want to get through? Like and then. What does that look like? Like, so how many pages do we have to read through? Are we reading through them in class? Are we reading through them together? How long do I want to spend on that? Do, can my kids handle 20 or 30 minutes of reading together? Or are they a 10 minute, you know, at a time group? Um, is there some kind of like component piece to that where you're, or that didn't really make sense, but like you're working on a little bit of a project. You're watching a little bit of a movie to back up what you just uh Red. So I think what, what it really comes down to is just finding what you're going to do in those chunks of time. Um, and that, and then just, that's it. So like, what do I want to accomplish? And then reverse engineer that by breaking everything up into chunks of time. I, I just think that's the most effective. And I know that's the most effective in my life. So if I, if I want a really productive day, I literally timestamp every single thing that I'm going to do from like, I wake up and I pray for 30 minutes. I get a shower and get ready. And that takes me about 25 minutes. Um, I am taking my daughter to school, going to the doctor, running to Home Depot. Look, every single thing has is given a window of time of which is non-negotiable. And then I get far more stuff done. And I think in block scheduling, that's what I would do also is like literally block out those times for exactly how much you want to give to each thing. Um, Amir, my buddy, Amir Williams, Amir wants me to, uh, I'm actually working on this now, wants me to sign up for Survivor. Uh, it's his favorite show. He's a student of mine. And so we've talked about that and he even sent me videos on what my video should look like and how to get on Survivor. So Amir is asking, I meant to talk to you about this this week, but I didn't get a chance. My question is, why did you decide to go into secondary, the secondary route of teaching and not primary elementary route? So, um, why did I become a high school teacher instead of like an elementary school teacher? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I, I think because I feel like these are really formative years. Like when I became 
15 was really I when I really started listening to music that my parents didn't like. When I really started um, wanting to have like purple hair or blue hair or a mohawk or long hair or whatever, uh, of which I've had all of those, uh, I started hanging out with different types of people. It's I think it's when a time in your life when you're really starting to feel yourself and and break away from your parents. But you know, I didn't have. I mean, I had a good mom. I had a dad that wasn't like a stepfather that wasn't really interested in being a part of that with me. Um, and I think that because of that, it helps me want to help kids kind of navigate that road. Because I think what it really does is like, it can be a very lonely, sad, weird, awkward time for you and helping kids navigate that or helping just to stand out and say like, hey man, I, I like, uh, I'm saying that like, I don't think you should have to go through this alone. Like I will help you out with it if you need me to. And I'll talk with you. I'll have the weird conversations. You can ask me odd questions. Like, and I like being that for kids. And yeah, I think that's my answer. Uh, Louis Lopez is saying, gave my students an exit evaluation. How much? Wait, first of all, I just want to say, of course, to this, Kate, the sleepy teacher said, she tried out for Survivor. Of course, Kate tried out for Survivor. <laughs> Kate would be a great, I would root for Kate on Survivor. Oh, totally. Because she, like, Kate, the sleepy teacher laughs more than anyone I've ever met in my life. And I mean that in the best possible way. It's like delightful to be around. Oh, so yeah. Louis Lopez is saying, gave my students an exit evaluation. How much stock do you put on student feedback, especially when they are all over the place? Like you don't like us or you made uh, a great impact on my life. Look, I think it's all perception, Louis. I think it's, they, you know, I, I, have, I have kids in the same class, in the same exact period that would say, you're the best teacher I've ever had in my life. And I hate you. Um, and I think, so I think you take both of them into, into consideration. But I think the way you do that is, well, why? Like, why do you think I hate you? Or why do I, you know, not why do I hate you? But like, why do you think that? Um, why do you think I'm the best teacher ever? Right? And then, like, you can't just say something and drop the mic like the kids can. What What are your reasons behind that? So, Whenever I do give one of those sort of like exit ticket things, like where you're asking kids for their opinion, I always have follow-up questions because I want to know like, what was the moment? And then can we talk about it? Because I want like, maybe I was the worst teacher ever and I really need to learn from that. And maybe I was the best teacher ever, but I need to know what I did so I can like do that again. Uh, so that's just what I'm thinking of for that. And don't, and take everything with a grain of salt, right? They're, they're kids. And so everything happens and it's like immediate and it's super hurtful or it's super painful or it was the same thing, I guess. But they, you know, it could depend on their week too. Like I have kids that I, right now, just before winter break were the bane of my existence at the beginning of the year. They were total pain in the butt. And now I'm seeing improvement. I'm seeing that connection. And it's so fun. Here, let, let's talk about this for a second while she's uh, coming up with the next question. I, it is every year I'll get some kid that's a pain in the butt. And every year there are kids that I win with and kids that I don't kids that just either leave the school or they hate me forever or whatever. And, and I, I can't figure out why it's not for a lack of trying, but there are always kids that I win with that. I never saw it coming that like you were terrible. And now you're kind of low key, like one of my favorite dudes in the class or are 
like you, when you used to just try and make fun of me and then like I crushed you and now, and then I built up that relationship from those ashes and now we're super tight. It's like, it's just, it is never lost on me and it happens every year. It's like, it, it is. And every year I'm, I think oh, this kid, I'm never going to win with him. And then you do. And you're like, this is ridiculous. I don't even know how this just happened. Evan Marshall is asking, uh, I'm about to start student teaching under someone who I disagree with completely about what foreign language education should be. Any tips on how to cope with writing lesson plans that will satisfy both? I think so. Meaning both of us. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Evan, I would say play the game a little bit, like lean into that a little bit and see what they're about, right? Teachers have experience. And so they have to feel that way because of something. It's I, I it's rarely because they just made it up and they were like, yeah, this is the jam. Like, this is why I do it this way. And I, you know, you're going to have to work with a number of people that you don't agree with. Like you might have, I've had co-teachers in the past. I've like wildly disagreed with or like who would yell at the kids or like put them on blast or were terrible teachers. And I couldn't get down with any of that. I've had co-teachers where I've literally walked out of class because I couldn't be around them anymore. Um, and I, I, so I just think it's, it's learning how to have those conversations, but I think instead of just disagreeing, like asking them, like leaning in, like, well, why do you do that? Or like, that's interesting. Cause I, I, I think, this way. Um, and so I'm really interested in what, how you came to that conclusion on that. And I, I just think that that's how, that's how everything is handled. I think that's how all, most of the world's problems are handled is by actively listening to your opponent as to why they feel that way. And then having a conversation about that. Um, and I have a lot more I could say about that too, but uh, Laura Rose Hilger. Hilger is saying, would you ever consider making a podcast? I have considered making a podcast. It's actually something we've been working on for a while. And we had three people. It was, so we were trying to get folks that were like um, opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of like what we looked like, uh, what we, what gender, where we taught, the kind of like the grade levels that we taught, the kind of schools that we taught in, the places in the world that we taught in. And so we had that locked up and then someone couldn't do it. And then it was finding a replacement for that individual. And then now I, my hope is that's still kind of being worked out because it would be this really like eclectic group of folks that would be, that would do this. Did you just shoot it? I did. Sorry. Tire in the air. There's Legos all over the table. We keep playing with Legos and a tire just popped up in the air. So I think, um, yeah, so that's, that's my plan. And the idea behind it is to talk about, uh, topics in education that people like to steer away from that they're it's like too nervous to talk about it or you don't talk about those kind of things like no it's like it's like running at those problems instead of running away from them jesse prescott is asking how much of being a teacher is non-education related fire drills <laughs> fights bullying whatever else does it ever get frustrating to not be able to focus on actual educating yes all the time um i always say look i love days off but man, they get you behind. It's like in the last few weeks, we've had days upon days of state testing or a meeting with the kids or PD or some other nonsense that gets in the way of actually teaching. And I think that that's one of the things that's wrong with the education system is there's just like not enough time to actually do the good work. Now, I do think 
that there are, if I could give a crap, what I want to see is that you have the grit to get through the state test, that you're not just chalking it and mailing it in, that you're not just not doing it. There, it's like someone saying, you have to do this. And instead of them, you looking at that plate of Brussels sprouts and going, I'm not doing that and feeding them to the dog on the table, you go, no, I'll do it. I'll watch. I'm going to eat every single one of them. And I hate them. So it might take me longer, but I'm about to down all these Brussels sprouts. Um, and I think that I think that's good sometimes because some things in education, you, you just can't get around. And so what I do is like find teachable moments in a fire drill, find teachable moments in the state test where you're working on character development or something along those lines and just trying to make the best out of it or just trying to have fun with it. Because that I think that um, the idea of, oh gosh, I really want to talk. about I almost want to talk about the book and like this idea I have about like how like so we're talking about writing a book um, right now and the book has to do with like the importance of a fun and education how it's just not there anymore like like when everyone has scripted lesson plans I um, but it is super interesting and super important at least in my class I man I just got it doesn't end gotta, for like third grade. No, like I feel like it ends. At School should be fun the whole way through, not. but it could be. And like- and so the book would be talking about like, well, how do you do that when you're feeling trapped, when you feel like you can't do it, when you feel like, you know, someone's breathing over your shoulder every moment. Like, I just think that you can still do it. And so the book would talk about how to do that. Um, Jill Chapman is saying, any tips for kids who steal? I'm scared we may be <laughs> making him sneakier. Um that's really interesting. So look, when I worked in Camden, everything got stolen all the time to the point where my desk had nothing on it. And people used to be like, it's so neat. Are you like a minimalist? And I'm like, no, I'm not a minimalist. I just, people steal my stapler if I leave it on my desk. So I just don't leave it on my desk. It was it was like either lock it away or it was going to start looking like a cheap motel in there. And I would have everything screwed into my desk so you couldn't take it off. So I just had this large metal cabinet behind my desk. And when you opened it, Everything was in there, like on lockdown. Um, and then I went to Philly and people started leaving their stuff all over the place, like almost to the point where it was like, this doesn't look safe at all. Like you're just leaving your iPad there and then you left the room. Um, and so there, but then I, so I started doing that more. And then I did have stuff taken from me, which really, really hurts. Like on some next level stuff where you're like, dude, I would give you anything. I would give you $20. I'd give you $50. Don't steal my five. You know what I mean? Um, so I think in dealing with kids that steal, I think it's just about talking about it. Like I, I, I tell kids like if something, anything goes missing from my room, I tell kids like, what, like this happened and it made me feel this way. And you need to know about it. Like the whole class, everyone needs to know about it. Cause even if that dude's not in here, you need to let him know that, I, I deeply care about you guys. I would give you anything. I'd do anything for you. Don't ever steal from me because now I'm skeptical. Now I'm looking at people different. Now I'm acting a little bit different. It's hard to not do that. So that's what I would do. I just think that everything is handled with like letting kids know how you feel and like how that made you feel and that, but that you're willing to help with anything that they could possibly need. And sometimes that wins and sometimes it doesn't, but I think it's an important conversation to have. What do you got, buddy? Didn't, 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 didn't. Uh, Marik 
Stalker? I think that uh, that's got it's got to be different than that. I think I'm saying it wrong. Uh, Marie Stalker, I think I apologize if I'm missaying your name. Um, how do you help a student who's lost a family member without crossing the professional line? I'm still studying and I was struggling as a teaching assistant in that situation. Here, here's my life. I've lost both my parents. I've lost grandparents, aunts, uncles, the whole gamut, friends, students. I think that when you lose someone, um, there is always this overwhelming, for the most part, right? Um, unless you were a terrible, terrible person, like there's this uptick of like people that care. There's food that shows up at your house. There's people calling to see how you are. And all around that time of like having a funeral, there's this huge influx of people. And so even with students that I've lost in the past, I think when I go to those funerals and there's just tons of people there, there's tons of love being poured on this on this family in this time of need. But where is everyone a week later? Where's everyone a month later? Where's everyone a year later? Where's everyone five years later when you're still struggling and you're not sure what to do? I think when you're in that moment, you're playing long game. You're waiting it out and you're still asking the kid every so often, hey man, how you feeling today? Hey, if you ever want to talk about stuff, hey, I saw it was your brother's birthday the other day or if it was your your grandmom's, uh, you know, whatever, what, like whatever it was, like like these moments in time. Because because when you lose someone, it's always like certain times of the year that are really difficult or it's like certain uh, – certain like around the holidays and stuff like that. So just constantly checking in and never thinking that it's all better because it's not, it's just not does just doesn't get better like that. Um, I remember thinking after my mom passed that I had about uh, like, I thought like I would feel better in about 10 years and I was about right. Like that's when it really subsided. It was like 10 years later. And which is funny enough this week coming up is the 20th anniversary of me losing my mom. So, um, and it feels completely different now. Doesn't it, you're just kind of like used to kind of face work. I look, I I get this. I deal with this a lot. So because I teach the classes that I teach, I have a lot of students that like have a very hard time sitting still, staying in place. And I get it, right? I want to I want to like honor that and say I get that you do not have the the wherewithal to stay seated in a seat and you shouldn't right like if you're like zipping around right like you know it's, it's very hard to get a kid to do that so i typically and sometimes i literally um tape off space around their desk so if i have someone sitting in the back at one of my large stand-up desks i have like space on the floor taped off and they know like you're not allowed to go past here or I'll say like, look, you can go from here to here, but that's it. Like you're not walking all over the class. You're not plugging your phone in and then going and checking it. You're not coming up to this dude and checking and seeing what he's up to. Um, but I have that space so they can kind of move a little bit. Uh, and I, that's kind of the best I could do. Best case scenario would be that I could just give kids breaks all the time, let them leave the classroom. But in, in reality, I, I don't have that long every day to get through the content I need to get through. My periods this year are only about 42 minutes long. And so that is not much time to get through like what is important in that day and to be able to like actually produce something. So I just give them that space and, and remember that not everybody needs that. So when kids go, Oh, that's not fair. How come I'm not allowed to get up and move around? Cause you don't need it, bro. Like, you know, if you needed glasses and forgot them one day, I wouldn't just you know, 
you get to sit closer to the front of the classroom. And, and if everyone complains about that, it's like, well, you don't need it. Like it's, it's not for, for you. Everyone's saying it's buffering, but I don't think that it's us because you're on the new internet, right? I know you're we got new internet. We got new super internet so that that didn't happen anymore. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't think it's us. All right. It's not happening on my phone or anything either. Oh, so we're good. Okay. Thank you. Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> Charles Trimblett. That's kind of an interesting last name. That sounds fancy. Uh, is saying, hey, Reynolds, first year as a Spanish teacher, urban charter school, rough neighborhood. I see students from K to eight once a week. K to eight. That's awful. Oh, my gosh. That is like... I travel from Miami to, you know, the Arctic um, for 40 minutes, difficulty managing classes and student compliance uh, advice, please. I'd say, look, first of all, it's your first year and you're only, if you're in the U.S., you're only three months in. So take your time, take notes on what works, right? And then I think it's real easy for us to beat ourselves up on what's not going well and instead of like noting like the things that are working and then as the year goes on, just continuously trying with those students that are difficult. And then what I'm wondering is, and maybe you could even say this back to us is what is, do you, now will you see a number of those students again next year? So like if the eighth graders move on do the kindergartners that you teach become the first graders and the first graders become the second graders, like, so you get to know those kids. So that by the time the kindergartners are in eighth grade, have they had you eight times? Like that could be incredible. And those relationships could be bonkers. And you will, if that, when you see kids again and again, you have control over a class, like no one else can understand. I had someone walk in the other day. Uh, I had a bunch of guys last year and this teacher walked in that's having trouble with that class, but they're having them for the first time this year. And he comes over to me and he goes, how do you get them so quiet and doing work? And I'm like, cause I know every single dude in here. Like I've put a year plus into every single dude in here. So of course I don't have those kinds of problems. Like it's not to say that we don't have problems, but when, when you have that investment, it's like, you know, I was going to say, why does somebody have abs? Because they work out all the time, but that didn't seem like a really good, not listening to me. No, I'm reading. All right. (laughs) I thought you were, I thought you hung on my every word. Yeah, I do. All right. Uh, Emmanuel Marmol says, what do you want to teach as a pri- – uh, would you want to teach at a private school? Um, Look, I think – oh, my bad, girl. Um, <laughs> I, I think I would teach anywhere. One of the th- so, look, I mean, the reason I teach where I teach is because I wanted – I've always been sort of like attracted to people that were on the margins. I've always been attracted to those that were underserved and overlooked. and and teaching and go, I felt, I literally felt called to go to that sort of situation. Um, but as I started teaching, I've said this before, like, I just see kids in need everywhere. And so like, if you're at a private school, right, even though your parents might be paying for like a really good education, uh, a lot of those kids are still overlooked. They're still trying to figure it out. They're still teenagers. They're still trying to, to navigate the world and they need help. Now, if a school had too many good teachers, I think I would probably look elsewhere to just see like if there was a better fit for me. But like, yeah, I just think that uh, kids all over the place need care and it doesn't matter where they're coming from. There's just a greater need 
oftentimes in the inner city because teachers don't stay because there's not support systems because there's not oh, yeah. resources yeah. and stuff. It went off. I wonder if it's our internet. How can that be, wife? This is still on here. I don't understand. Oh, Tracy Pinder said good now. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So that's that's what I'm thinking. Is like, I just think that kids all over the place need care because they're kids and they're figuring it out. I don't know if you want to answer that question. Uh, that's not that. Oh, are you sure? Yeah, Indy Kitty's saying, how is Kevin? Kevin, Kevin, the student, DJ Jody Kev, is great. I don't think, I think she's talking about this. Oh, Kevin? Yeah. Oh, oh, my horse, Kevin. Well, last night as we were recording the video, I was opening up my puppet that I got. I heard the dog chewing on something, and that something was Kevin, my tiny horse, who now is missing an eye. He's missing both eyeballs, um, and I feel really bad about it. But I'm I have we salvaged one. we have one eyeball, and I have a, all of his fluff is in this cup, so I'm gonna fix him. But he might even be like it's more of a Reynolds thing when you have some beat up ass old thing that gets fixed up. That's more my jam than like just a regular good thing. Perfect one. Like my whole room is like made something from nothing. So it's almost like the dog helped me out. Uh, ukulele, La ukulele Lauren. I love it. It's a great name. Have you ever taught collaborated in with inclusion? This is my second year and I went from one collab class last year to three with two different collaborators, one of whom is new to collaboration and no help, any tips. Yeah, look, I think I've done that I, for the last four years. I teach almost, almost all of my classes are, I, we call them co-talk classes where I'm collaborating with someone else. Um, some of those, I'm clearly the lead teacher. Some of them it's supposed to be, is it off again? What's up with yours? I don't know. I'm just going to keep talking because uh, I can't do anything about it. Um, I, I think, you know, sometimes you get people that you just are on lock with, like, like the best. And then other times it's a struggle in a way that you're like, I don't know if this ever gets better from the way that it's going right now. And there's other times where we don't have that time to just sit together and just work on stuff because we're, we're both constantly trying to figure other things out. So I think some of that just comes with time and what you'll get better at over time is having difficult conversations, knowing what you want, having like figuring that stuff out together. And it's just like any other relationship. Like it takes time to get through things, but um, I'd say the best way to handle stuff is always ask people questions about their motives. Like, why do you want to do that? Or why do you think that's important? Or why, why should we do it that way? Um, as a way of really in understanding, not to like say, you, you know, your tone can change a lot there where if you're like, well, why do you want to do it that way? Why do you think that's a good idea? Why are we, why, why are kids getting in trouble for that? And instead saying, well, that's really interesting that you say that because I'm, I'm, I would think the opposite. And I'm wondering how you came to that conclusion. And I, I just think that, that works better. Um, and then I would say, uh, being able to kind of give some also, which is very, very difficult for me. Like my classroom is somewhere that like the other teachers that teach in my classroom, um, it makes me feel awkward. Like when they want to put things up on my wall or if they want to like 
have a section to put their textbooks. I'm like, oh gosh. And that's all me. That's all my own crap. But it's like learning to like kind of push past that sometimes uh, and get out of my comfort zone so that somebody else has what they need. Marcel James is saying, hey Reynolds, I love your energy and passion for teaching. Any advice for high school students who are continually chatty during instructional time? Yeah, tell those dudes to be quiet. Uh, and I think that the way you do that is, the way I do it is, um, one is having real conversations, right? So I'll say, look, I get it. We're feeling some type of way today. I need you to bring it down. And this is why. These are the things we need to get through today. This is why they are important. So you're not just like uh, pretending that things aren't important um, or just like you have to just listen to me because I told you so. Uh, but you're letting them see the logic behind what you're doing. I think the second way that I do that is I will do weird stuff. I use a megaphone that I got at Kohl's last year at Christmas. Well, just last year. Almost two years ago. Two years ago? Mm -hmm. All right. For $8. And um, I just like saying that every time. It also has a bottle opener on it. I don't know who's drinking beer and using a megaphone at the same time, but that sounds <laughs> that's like wrong a wrong person. That's an awful idea. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. It's like, I just, that sounds like a Simpsons character. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I do stuff like that as well. And then other times I just put dudes out. I'm like, bro, you got to go in the hallway and come back when you're ready. Like, I, I, we can't do this where you're going to continue to talk. And here's the thing with that. I had a kid say this to me the other day. There were like five kids talking in class, right? And they wouldn't shut up. And I asked them several times. So I kick one of them out. And this, so in, when we kick guys out of our school, you go out in the hallway, you write a reflection, you come back if you're ready, right? If you're not ready, then you like, we, that's a whole nother. There's a, a thousand different scenarios, right? This was, bro, you got to go. So homie leaves and the other, his problem later was, well, how come you didn't kick all of us? How come I got in trouble? And I, my answer is always like, Look, it doesn't matter which one I send out. Someone's got to be the sacrificial lamb sometimes, though. And then that makes everyone else quiet down. So I really sometimes I just pick somebody. It's not like anything personal. I just like pick one of you and then you go. And, you know, but it has to follow up with a conversation. But I needed that to look like something. And I tell them all the time, like, if five dudes are doing something and I only catch one, like, you still get in trouble. Like, I don't care if I didn't catch the other dudes. Like, like if four people robbed the store and you caught one, you can't not get arrested because you're like, well, you didn't catch the other dudes. What am I getting in trouble for? So I think that that's what that comes down to is like really having conversations and then really trying to convey to the students that they need to pay attention in ways that nobody else has ever done. Whether that's standing on a desk or standing on your head or setting your hair on fire or using megaphone. Don't set your hair on fire. That's just a joke. Um, blowing bubbles or calling them by different names or saying wacky stuff or playing music behind what you're saying or whatever it is. Like, I think that that helps a lot of times as well. Uh, Piano boys ask, what's up, man is saying, Hey Reynolds, uh, what are some of your favorite habits or things to do? Um, like in life, I would say, uh, I get up early. I get up at five or five fifteen every morning and I, um, pray and I read every morning and I do a five minute journal. I've been doing, I've been running every day. And I, I think exercise is a huge part of my, of my life in general. Um, I'm not very good at exercise. I'm not very, I'm not like super strong or anything like that. I'm not super fast. I don't swim particularly well. Um, I don't run negotiable time with like my wife. So we have like these, we call them dream meetings every Saturday and Sunday morning for an hour after we wake up, 
We drink coffee. We Kids aren't allowed to buy. We didn't do them at all this weekend. We had min- miniature one yesterday, and I feel it though when we don't do it. it because we because I think it's so important. And when we don't do it, like when I wake up in the morning and I don't have that quiet time on the front end, I feel like I'm the day is dictating now what will happen instead of me waking up earlier, uh, despite any despite whether I want it to or not. Um, it's like no, I'm I'm waking up like I'm I'm in control of this day. Yeah. I will be in control of myself. And so there, there was um to to go a little further with that. I, I one of the reasons I'm running every day for a year is like I think that in your life, I think there's a lot of suffering in life, right? But I think self-imposed suffering makes it's like making yourself suffer um, makes you stronger, and so that's kind of the reason behind that. And so that that's one of my habits is like constantly finding experiments to do or weird crap to do. That is not always enjoyable, but it's going to make me stronger. Tabitha Harris is saying, how do you feel about unit studies and note, notebooking versus more traditional lessons from textbooks? Uh, so, look, I think I, I, I very rarely am hardcore any one thing, right? I So, look, let me put it like this. Uh, we have... I have a whole shelf of textbooks in my room. They've been sitting there for years. And I always was the teacher that was like, I'm not, I'm not reading textbooks. Like they're stupid. They're like, they're like watered down, dumbed down versions of stuff that like they want us to know. Um, and they, there's nothing good in them. And then one day I opened up the textbook cause I was going to like be absent at jury duty or something like that. And I needed something on the double. So I opened up the textbook and I was looking for something and I realized there was tons of good stuff. There was like tons of good like ideas for lessons and pre-classes and journal prompts and follow-up questions and in-depth connections between art and movie and, um, and the story that we were reading. Like it was fabulous. And I'm not saying that I would teach straight from a textbook, but it just gave you a picture, especially if you're a new teacher of like, if we're talking about characterization, here's the different notes that you could give. Here's the story you could read. Here's the here's the way that you connect this to a TV show or a movie or a video. And then you don't have to use their example, but like you could go find your own movie or your own TV show. But as long as it's like you kind of see what they were going for in that one. So sometimes stuff's dated, right? So the kids aren't going to look at like one of the examples in the book last year was Seabiscuit, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. But I knew nobody was going to know Seabiscuit. So I just said, oh, but they would know this movie. So we could do this. So I think using a textbook a lot of times can be really interesting. And, and, and what that taught me was that, you know, there's no, there's no perfect system in schools. The kids change every year, right? The kids are always evolving um, or devolving sometimes. And, and it's our job to meet them where they are using whatever it is we need to use to, to meet them. So um, I've had kids some years that just want to be lectured to. I've had kids some years that want to just have conversations and go deep with stuff in that way. Kids who want to just get the notes and write them down and just, and not um, go like that. That's how they like to, to get stuff. And then I've had other, other students that are like, can we go outside again? Can we use sidewalk chalk? Can we build stuff, use stuff with clay? Can we build things? Um, it depends on, on every class every year. Uh, I think I just moved that question. Uh, I'm going to take, I think it was this one. Uh, Jack Jack is asking, um, any advice for a young parent going into teaching? I was 17 when my daughter was born, and now three years later, I'm going to school to become an English teacher, and I'm a proud dad, but I worry 
about possible negative judgment from future schools, hiring committees and staff. Should I embrace it and share my experience or keep it myself? Jack, let me tell you something, man. First of all, good for you for being a great dad and for caring to even think about this. Second, every single thing that you've ever gone through in your life is going to make you a better teacher, right? And so if you want it to, right? I think that is this idea that the things that we think limit us are actually the things that are empowering us. They give you a, the ability to empathize with people on a, on a different level, to care for people on a different level, to, to care more about what you're teaching or the type of people that you're teaching or the, in the place that you're teaching because it's kind of a been there, done that scenario, right? And so I would completely embrace it uh, but in, but you have to come to a space where that narrative of what has happened to you becomes empowering, right? So that the narrative of a young 17 year old, um, and so I'm, I'm put it, putting this in the world's terms sometimes, right. Um, sort of like not being responsible enough to, to use protection or having a baby early or whatever, whatever that people want to make that look like instead saying, no, 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 no. I had a child early. And although it wasn't planned, like what my child has taught me, right? Because we know that our kids teach us an incredible amount, sometimes more than we teach than we teach them. Um, I've learned the level of like how to have patience, how to really look at life, how to appreciate certain things, why education is so important. Like you have to create the narrative that makes it, and you have to believe it too. It can't be nonsense that you, in whatever situation you've been in, whether you've been had a kid earlier, you've been in prison, you've um, been arrested, you were abused as a child, your father was an alcoholic. Like, how do you retell that story so that you become empowered by it instead of like, um, I don't know, instead of like it, it, it kind of dictating who you are in a negative way? Amir uh, is asking, Amir Williams, who was in the video last week, also. Every time uh, I work with my kids, I get so burnt out in only an hour and a half. How do I combat that? Uh, first of all, I'm here. I would say if being mindful of like what you're putting into your body, right? So like, um, I just think a lot of people eat really poorly. And just so like, even if you're, I mean, cause look, you're a teenager, right? Like when I was 18, I was like skateboarding all day. And then I would eat microwave burritos at 7-Eleven. And I thought that that was pretty good because, you know, one of them had spinach in it. Um, or I would eat like there was remember when we used to go to we used to go to this gas station called Texaco in Jersey. And they had it was two hot dogs and a soda for 99 cents. There's no way that was there was anything redeemable in terms of nutrition. But like when you don't when you're not sure about what you're putting into your body, um, like, or when you're putting crap in, you're going to get crap out of your body. And I just know, I mean, you see those disgusting kale drinks I drink every day. I drink those because I want more energy, because I want to be able to, to do the best that I can to not get tired. So I think sometimes it's just like being mindful, even if it's just before you go to that program, like, all right, what am I ingesting? Am I getting like, like something nourishing for my body before I show up? Um, and you'll see that your food, the what you put in your body dictates so heavily how you feel that like if you start eating better, you're like, holy crap, I can't even believe this is really like this is why people do this. This is why people don't just eat potato chips for breakfast every day is because if you have something better, it makes you feel, you know, like you're on fire every day. What do you got, bud? 
Well, it's Amir again. Oh, all right. Amir is also asking, when I work with sixth grade, my sixth grade plus kids, so kids over six grade and over. Um, I really love it. I want to take the, I want to take the place of absence, but I don't know if I understand that. I want to take the place of absence, but is it okay to come to the realization that some things just aren't for you? Uh, I don't like in places with little ones. He was working with little little kids. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, you're working like five year olds before. Yeah, I think not all grades are for all people. And we see that all the time, right? Like I work with folks that we, even in the high school setting that they teach 12th grade and they're like, no, I'd never want to teach ninth grade. Or they teach 11th grade and they look at like other grades as like, that sounds terrible. And it's like, they're just a couple of years off. It's not that big of a difference is what it seems like. But I think knowing where you want to be and teaching where, like literally where on the map you want to be, where in the school, what subject area, like, if you truly have an understanding of where you would be best, then you're going to be best there and you're going to do better work there and not begrudgingly do it. Like I know I don't want to teach 11th grade ever. It has too much to do with college essays and there's not enough like just straight reading and writing. It's a lot of like getting ready for college and I'm just not that into that sort of that that's not my jam. What do you got for me do? Check that out. Too. That's fine. Yeah. Here, this isn't really a question, but you can talk to me. Okay. Uh, Paper Girl Craft is saying okay. it seems you can't be creative in education. Uh, there just isn't doesn't seem to be enough time in the day. I try, but it's difficult at times, especially combined with behavior issues. I think, I th I think it's about figuring out where you can infuse that that also, right? So, um, gosh, I. I hear what you're saying and I, I wish I had, this is such a better conversation. Like if I knew what was going on, like if I knew the, the like what your day kind of looked like so I could talk about it. Um, but I, I do think that there are ways to infuse that into what you're doing right. Um, in any classroom, like no matter what your time crunch is or, or how much you have to get done. I just, I really believe that there is that time and, and, and but it's hard to answer that question without knowing specifics. Uh, in my day, I, you know, I, I think creative, like creativity fosters creativity. So like, um, on Fridays, I show weird Friday videos. They take about four minutes or something like that. And it's just something weird and interesting and fun. This week I showed this crazy video about marbles. This guy made this crazy machine that he like cranks this wheel and it drops these marbles and they play all this music, uh, from the marbles, like hitting certain things that plays music and it's awesome, but it was totally weird. And it only took four minutes and it didn't take away from my lesson and we got to do it or talking like just me being creative, making my room look creative, making the way I'm delivering the information a little bit more creative than just the standard way. Uh, all of that, I, I think that that rubs off on the students and it makes them more creative and interesting as well. Sorry, that wasn't really good. Like you can show up to work tomorrow with this tactic, but it, I think um, it's to start thinking about like, where can I infuse creativity in these very small moments. All right. Well, I'm having a tough time finding one. There's a lot of like chat. That's fine. Um, I feel like we're a little off the ball, but you know what? I'm a, I, my phone died. Here we go, everybody. 
Cheers. That's the cup that we need this now after this week that we've had. No, look, you can fit your head. This is literally as big as my head is. Here. Uh, as an elective class to them. So one, I would talk, Kate, the sleepy teacher, might still be in here. She's she, not. Oh, okay. So e either way, you could email her. She teaches, what does she teach? Fourth grade, third grade, fifth grade? Fourth, third, fourth, so, third. so whatever it is, she has this group of students one week. And then the next week she teaches the same group, a different group of students. Um, and then the next week it's back to the first group. So there's two completely different groups and she just gets one for one week and then she gets another for another week. And it's super weird. Um, but that's kind of how her school does it. I think it is creating a sense of like, I, I'm wondering how you could make your class something that the kids are excited to show up to that they are. Um, I don't know that you've got to be doing that. Like you're, you're a good teacher and you're on this thing on Sunday night and you're trying to figure it out. Uh, how do you do? I, so, I mean, this is, let me tell you why this is difficult for me to, to answer right now. I'm wondering how long you've been teaching, how long you've been at that particular school, how long you've been teaching this subject. Um, where are your students coming from? What grade levels are you teaching? Like all that in, impacts that. I had, when I have my hip hop class, uh, I teach all the grades and I oftentimes teach kids that don't know me and they don't know who I am. And that's always a problem because the guys that know me know how I roll. They know that like what they can get away with, what they can't get away with. They know um, what I accept and what I will not accept in class. And then when you get that kid that doesn't know you, they start acting a fool. And it's like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, that's not how we get down in here. And you have to like retrain them. And it's only going to be for like one trimester and you're never going to see them again. So it really, to me becomes, how can I get to know you as quickly as possible? And then how can I like for an elective have other people come in and speak so that what you're seeing is that it's not just the Reynolds show. It's not just me trying to teach you what I think you need to learn, but like how can I get that information to you in a way that's conveyed by someone that you might listen to, or you might think, take seriously or you uh in a way where it's like you're gonna love the class because you're not sure what's going to happen next so that and when i'm thinking about being creative in the classroom and making kids want to show up i'm thinking about how can it not be about you teaching but like is there anyone you can invite into your elective that's going to just make it that much better because kids might not behave for you but they might behave for someone else right it's like every parent's wish that you know, your kids act the way that they act at home, but you just really hope that when they're in public, they really act like <laughs> appropriate. And then at home, you let things slide sometimes. But like if you're your grandparents, don't let me get a bad report because I'll be embarrassing. Um, all right. Last question because I got to go. I'm going to go visit my grandma after this. Um, uh, actually, I got to go run first and then I will go see my grandma in the cold rain. Awesome. Uh, Emmanuel Marmol? Emmanuel is saying... What change would you like to see in American education system? Oh, brother. Um, <laughs> I want to be a teacher, but I fear that my students won't thrive in a one-size-fits-all education system. They won't thrive in a one-size-fits-all education system because um, one size doesn't fit all. Uh, they, I, I think I would love to see that teachers had more autonomy. I don't think they have enough autonomy. And what I mean by that is I think that teachers need to be able to do things in their classrooms that personally suit them better and suit their students better. Too many times we have these like scripted lesson plans, scripted days, 
everything is just so because the maximum number of students are going to benefit from that, right? That's the mindset that we can like if we like if we can save 70% of the kids or educate 70%, then the other three, well, guess what? Like we need people that collect shopping carts at Target also. And I just think that that sucks. But I think when teachers are given when they have the resources, first of all, but even more than resources, when they have the ability to change the lesson, to teach it a different way, to pick the books that they want to have in English class, to pick the lessons they want to teach in math, to, to pick um, in science, like maybe this class needs this type of instruction and maybe this class needs this type of instruction. Like when we can move and change and flow like that, it changes everything. And at my school, it's it really, I think of it as like being able to teach like a DJ. This is one of the terms I use, right? When you teach like a DJ, you learn that like if you're at a wedding and there's a DJ, you might have like six songs where it's your jam. They're playing whatever the song is that, that you love. Maybe it's Motown. Maybe it's Katy Perry. Maybe it's, I don't know, Journey, right? And the crowd is loving and everyone's up and dancing. If you play a song that clears the dance floor, which happens at every wedding, right? There's always that one song that everyone's like, all right, let's go get a drink. Let's take a break. Let's go to the bathroom. Um, people leave the dance floor. You have a, you have a, like a an opportunity there. Do you just leave that same song on so nobody comes back to the dance floor, but you're already committed to the song, right? It's like you have that one lesson plan that you were cruising, everything was going great, and now this lesson plan sucks. Or do you transfer it into something else or do you add another beat on top of it do you change it up so it's still that same lesson plan but there's like now a club beat to it or now there's like a, another song mixed in with it or you're scratching or or you just change the song and make it something different because no matter how many people had to go to the bathroom if your jam comes on you're a hundred percent not going to the bathroom and you're back on the dance floor because katie perry's firework came on or something like that um which always is total win at every wedding i've been to uh so i think that that's kind of how you you do that is that you i think changing the education system allows te teachers to be more like djs um and not like they're you know uh what am i thinking of it's not like there's there was a really good metaphor at the end there too. I'm sorry. So, but you weren't helping me. I was thinking. Thanks a lot. All right, everybody, that's it for this week. Listen, a couple things before we go. I think, unless I hear otherwise, um, we're gonna be off next week and the following week because most people are out of school and you're probably chilling and enjoying time with your family and not wanting to live feed. Um, so we'll pick this up at the when we come back. January sixth. Um, which is dope because I don't go back till the seventh anyway. So, uh, and then if you're interested, we have the face new Facebook closed Facebook group, which seems to be going really well. I've had very few like people get it reported in there or anything like that. Um, so please go and check that out. It's uh, real wrap with Reynolds teacher talk um, on Facebook. And we're also doing mentoring and we're starting to schedule that for the new year as well, because we've had like a really good response for people that want to get personal mentoring. Um, so hit us up with that information and we'll get right back to you. Uh, and that's it, everybody. I hope your holiday season is the best. Um, I hope you make some great memories this week with your students and stuff like that too. And that's it. Thank you, everybody. I really appreciate you. Peace. Peace.